This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? Marvellous to have you here as ever and I have a real treat in store for you today. But, little tease there for you before we dive into that, I just want to chat briefly about Plastic Free July, which is coming up next week. How is it July next week? I have no actual idea what has happened to June. Does anybody know? Can you tell me? Now, Plastic Free July, if you haven't heard of it, is an international campaign that began in Australia and has spread around the globe and is basically a month-long call to action to reduce our use of single-use plastics. Now, unsurprisingly, our monthly focus for July in the Nakedmums Eco Club is going to be all things plastic and will be absolutely jam-packed full of ideas and inspiration and support and resources for some easy plastic-free-ish swaps and changes. And I would love to invite you to join us. The waitlist is now open for July. I will post a link to that in the show notes. So, Come and join us. It's not just for mums, despite the name, and although although ideally you will be knackered. Who isn't knackered? <laughs> if you're not knackered, I want to know your secret. So yeah, come and join us for a month of plastic-free inspiration. If you love it, you can stay on in the clubhouse. Uh, we'd love to have you stay with us. If you think after July that maybe it's not for you, then you can just simply cancel your membership and skip on your merry way at the end of the month. So that makes it just £9 for what is effectively a crash course in all things plastic free-ish. And alongside that, you get the support of this amazing bunch of people all working towards the same goal, all struggling with the same challenges as you are, and all cheering you on. So I will pop the link in the show notes for that. If you've got any questions, do drop me an email on jen at sustainableish.co.uk or you can come and find me and tag me on social media or send me a DM where I'm at sustainable-ish in most places. Okay, so I promised you an absolute treat and here it is. I'm still having to pinch myself a little bit about this, but I got to spend an hour hanging out online and having a chinwag with the past winner of the Great British Bake Off. I met Nancy Birtwistle, the 2014 winner of my very favourite TV show, Virtually, for an event we did together for Glasgow's iWrite Festival earlier on this year. Nancy has got a book out called Clean and Green, 
and we were paired up for a talk on eco tips for your home and family. I wanted to chat more to Nancy about her book and about all things green cleaning, so I pulled on my big girl pants and plucked up the courage to send her an email after the event inviting her on the podcast, and to my surprise and delight, she said yes. Now, I'm very much not one of life's clean freaks. I find cleaning thoroughly soul-destroying. And perhaps because of my lacklustre approach to it, my attempts at homemade cleaning products in the past have never really been what you might call a resounding success. But Nancy's approach is really refreshing, really pragmatic, really down to earth. And even I have been tempted to have another go. And I was more than a little excited, I have to confess to whip up a batch of Nancy's toilet magic at the weekend and have been delightedly spraying it willy-nilly around our loos all this week. It was super easy, even for a non-cleaner like me, and seems to be coping with my kids spraying something else willy-nilly around our loos pretty well. So I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed recording it. Do let me know if you're tempted to have a go at some homemade cleaning products after listening or if you're now going to make the switch to an eco version of one of your usual products, I'd love to know. As ever, please do leave a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps the podcast to climb the charts, to get more ears on it, to get more people taking imperfect eco action. And really importantly, it helps to boost my poor shallow ego no end. (laughs) Have a brilliant week. I will catch you next time and enjoy. Hello, Nancy. Welcome to the Sustainable-ish podcast. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, we have met virtually before, haven't we? A couple of weeks ago, we did a, um, uh, I don't know, a book thing, didn't we, for I Write in Glasgow. So, so this isn't our first time meeting, but it's still very exciting. And I think you're definitely the most famous person I've ever had on. So that's exciting as well. No, I'm not famous. I think lots of people will know you from your Instagram. Lots of people will know you as Nancy from Bake Off, as I keep saying. Um, so can you introduce yourself in your own words? Yes. Who who am I? Well, <laughs> yes, I, I, I love baking. I love cooking. But I also love doing lots of other things. And so I like gardening. I love growing my own food. I love embracing a green lifestyle it's it's become really addictive in fact I'm the most boring person (laughs) if anyone gets me talking about green alternatives to things I could talk all day about it because I love it and I don't think any of those things can be separated off whether it be my cooking or my baking or my avoiding waste or growing my own food or making do and mend none of them separate it's just the lifestyle yeah and I think I've always done it but I do it now in a more pronounced way because I realize the world that we live in yeah so talk to us about that because like what we're going to talk about mostly today is your your book and I'm holding it up to the camera and nobody on the podcast is going to be able to see that but green and clean and green but in there in the in the sort of introduction you talk about and I I use somebody used this phrase to me and I love it that you're sort of eco-epiphany and it was sort of gathered around the, the kitchen table having a conversation with your family. And so can you tell us about that? Because I'm, I'm always fascinated by how people sort of arrive at this, these, these changes. 
yeah, how they got going. I mean, I've always been, I've always been thrifty. The biggest influence in my life was my grandmother. And I mean, she'd lived through two world wars. So it was her way was to be thrifty. And I was very thrifty in the 1970s because I didn't have any money. I mean, mm. it was just that. Um, and so I had to be careful about using fuel. I had to be careful about, you know, I never ever threw anything away because I couldn't afford to. But then, you know, you have a bit more money and the kids are growing up and left and all this sort of thing. You know, I could put the heating on 24-7 if I wanted to. I could be eating the best salmon and all the rest of it. But I found that actually what's really deep inside me is that I can't can't really be like that and it, it troubled me that things were becoming everything was becoming so cheap mm. and I can remember my kids saying it's not worth it mother it's not worth making the little girls a dress because there's your time the fabric actually costs more mm. and go and buy a little dress from the supermarket for two quid mm. and it troubled me that that was the way we were going. I was loving it. <laughs> I could go out and get a cheap T-shirt, you know, for, for £2.50 or whatever. And food equally became so, so cheap that it's so cheap, we'll just throw it away if we mm. don't, you know, if, if we overbuy it and it goes off. And the same with travel. Mm. It was as cheap for, for us to get a flight to the south of France then it was it, it was cheaper to do that than it was to get the train to to the next big city. Yeah. And, that, and I just thought something's not right. Something's yeah. really not right. And I can remember having this conversation around the table when all the family were around. There were about 15 of us. And I said, but, but I, I just don't understand how we how this can be sustained. I wasn't particularly thinking about the planet either. I was thinking about where is it all going to end? Mm. How can we keep driving up our expectations to be able to do what we want, when we want? Yeah. It costs nothing, but it must be costing something. And obviously it is costing. It's costing the well-being of our planet. Yeah, yeah. And so how many, how many kids and grandkids have you got? Well, I've been married twice, so between us we've got five children. Right. So between us there are ten grandchildren. And five grand uh, and five children. So obviously, when everybody comes, it's a massive gathering. When you have people, it's fantastic. But obviously, we've not been able to do that for ages. And and it's good fun. But it, you know, and I and I looked particularly at these little children. I think I made a mention of it in the book because I thought it's not my generation that's going to suffer. It's not even my children in their forties who are going to suffer. It's these little innocent faces that. I have no idea what sort of a world they're going to grow up into. And so this book is dedicated to them because I think, you know, when I'm long gone, I'd like to think, well, at least my granny tried to do something. Yeah. Because I think as well that the gen my generation have, have helped to spoil things too. Yeah, and that's really hard, isn't it? And I think we, you know, we really need to try and kind of avoid the blame game and things because it's, there's, isn't there a lovely Maya Angelou quote or something about, you know, you, you, you do what you do until you know better. And then when you know better, you do better, that kind of thing. Um, do you remember when this was, when you sort of decided, right, something's got to change? Um, probably, 
three, it was after Bacon, definitely, because one of the first one of the first changes I made was stop buying single-use piping bags. Oh, I was so going to ask you for some zero-waste baking tips. Okay, so do, what do you use instead now? Well, I've still got about 10 left because one of the mistakes I made with my cleaning products when I, when I wrote Clean and Green, it was a bit like stopping smoking. Yes. And I thought, I'm not going to use those products. But then I don't know what to do with them mm. because I don't know how to safely dispose of them. Mm-hmm. So... With my single-use plastic piping bags, I think I've got about 10 left. The really thick, big ones I wash and reuse, make, make them do more than once. But the little fiddly ones, um, they're still single-use. But I now buy reusable, Wilton do a reusable mm. piping bag, which is only going back to how they used to be. But I, I think I got one of them and I find it it's so thick, it's quite unwieldy. And I find, I mean, I'm not the best piper in the world and I find it quite difficult. So I, I did have, probably a bit like you, I had a roll of those big, you know, those big blue, yeah. um, air quotes, single use ones. But I've probably used the same one. You know, I literally use it until you're squeezing the, the um, squeeze something too hard and it starts to kind of split. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I feel like I'm struggled to find the sort of perfect reusable alternative. Well, I for little jobs, for little jobs where you just maybe just going to do a little bit of fancy on a the top of a tart yeah. or thing. I'll make a paper one. Oh, my friend does that, and she's so good at it. And mine just always end up collapsing in a big heap. <laughs> they are quite good. And if you do a little nick at the top of the paper to stop it unrolling, yeah, they're quite good. So especially if I'm doing lots of colours, because you know that would be ten separate plastic bags. Um, so yes, I'll yeah, lots of paper ones. I have my reusable big one mm. that I wash out. And I have also some smaller reusable. And because they're smaller, they're of a finer gauge uh, okay. fabric. So they're quite good. Yeah. Oh, so that was one of your first swaps was the, the zero waste piping bag. Is your life split into like pre-bake off and post-bake off? Is that kind of... <laughs> Well, what I'm finding now, it used to be very much post-bake-off because, and now it's, what, seven years ago since I did yeah. it. And so for the first few years, it was all about baking. Yes. And then I started to introduce a bit of cooking. Then I'd show that I also grow a few bits. And now my Instagram is very much, as I say, it's a lifestyle. Mm. Baking takes an equal part amongst everything mm. else. But prior to bake-off, that was what, I was doing Mm. not in a public way and all of those things I've got better at it's like everything the more you know the more there is to know so I've learned so much more about baking so much more about gardening so much more about cooking recycling yeah 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 it's like yourself you're just all the time soaking in information Mm. yeah so what what where did the cleaning come into it because I'm going to hold my hands up here I think I said to you when we did the chat at Glasgow I am not a cleaner I am the most slovenly I detest cleaning I do the minimal amount so you know where do we go from swapping out ba- um, piping bags to kind of writing a, a book about green cleaning I've been sort of looking back myself to see because it was the change is so incremental mm. and I came across one of the first thing I did was start Googling around and searching on the internet for 
um, alternatives for this cleaner or that cleaner. And what what made you want to do that? Was it the plas- a lot of people are concerned about the plastic. A lot of people, um, it will be the, the you know, I think maybe there's a, a lower awareness around the chemicals and things like that. What made you kind of go, because there isn't necessarily a, you know, oh, eco issues cleaning. Do you know, sometimes people might not appreciate that link. Yeah. I think for me, Jen, one of the first swaps, along with the single-use piping bags, were wipes. Mm. Um, because I, there was a, a programme, I think, on the TV about these fatbergs. Yes. Know? And the whole thing was disgusting. And these fatbergs were made up simply with fat that had been either tipped down mm. the sink, which is oil and obviously solid fats. But that then gets all mixed in together with single-use wipes, the ones that they tell us we can flush down the toilet. Yeah. And, uh, and I was a fan of wipes, I had to say. And I used to have a cleaner when I was working, when I was in paid employment. And then when I retired, I, I call myself retired, but I'm not really. And when I retired, I thought, right, I'll, I'll do my own cleaning. I don't need a cleaner now. It's, it's obscene that I'm sitting here at home and employing a cleaner. So I'll start my own cleaning. So my way of looking for an easy way to clean was to buy a whole load of wipes. And so I had a wipe for polishing, a wipe for bathroom floors, a wipe for stinks. And, and then I just wiped everything and threw it away. And I thought this was fantastic because I thought it was saving me money on cleaning products. It was quick. They were efficient, loaded up with chemicals, of course, single-use stuff that is adding to the fat bird. And, um, and it was only after I watched this program that I thought, maybe my wipes are not the best thing. Mm. And so I stopped using those and started buying products. And it was when I looked on the reverse label that the shock um, hit me because the vast majority of cleaning products, um, unless they tell tell you that they're eco-friendly, and I have some question marks around some of those, the reverse label on many of them says in small print, harmful to aquatic life with long-lasting effects. Mm. And having read that, having read one, I was then like some sort of undercover in the supermarket, <laughs> picking off labels, to doing a screenshot, picking off a label, doing a screenshot, because I just couldn't believe that it was there. If it was on the front label and it said, this product will kill the fishes, we won't buy it. It's funny, isn't it? Because don't they have, um, there's the, the picture of the hand being kind of burnt sometimes, isn't there? And there's, and isn't there one that's like a picture of a dead fish on the, on the, so it like, it's like exactly like you said, if they put those front and centre on the front of the thing, like they do with the cigarette packets now, you'd be like, what the hell? Like, I'm not buying that. And then because this was for everybody to see, but obviously we're not seeing it. It's there, but we're not seeing it. I then Googled the, data sheets because each product has a a data sheet and there's reams and reams of information but what they do show is there's a table that so that the products that say they're harmful to aquatic life there's actually a table that shows you how long it takes for it to kill a fish oh wow well that's my assumption it's uh, it gives you the different um types of aquatic life and then it says um how many minutes 
before. So obviously they've done all the tests that they have to do yeah. on the safety data sheet. But do, would we ever look at that? No. No. Wow. But then the argument is that in diluted amounts, like someone messaged me because chlorine bleach is obviously a killer mm. and the fumes are awful. That was one of the swaps that was the most difficult to make because I thought, how do you clean your loo? How do I clean the sink? Mm. And that sort of thing. But actually, toilet magic is better. I really need to ask you about toilets because, um, like I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a cleaner. I live with three stinky boys. Well, two stinky boys and a stinky man who will, well, not the husband, but the boys will go in and be like chatting to each other, having a wee, or they'll like turn around to talk to, you know, and it's going everywhere. And and it took me a long time to kind of gradually wean my husband off bleach because it's just that quick fire, like squirt it around the loo. It's that smell of bleach smells clean, doesn't it? Like you've killed everything. Boom. So yeah, tell us about toilet magic. (laughs) Well, I, and I've got I've got friends that you know they look to the ceiling as if to say, "Oh, she's on." And I say, "Please, now I I make them a bottle." <sighs> Happy Christmas! I ma- I make them a bottle and I say, "Please, please try it." And only this last week, my hairdresser said, "You know, you were going <laughs> on about your toilet magic," and I said, "I said yes." Yeah. So she said, "Well, I've got a badly stained toilet." She said, "I call it Lee's toilet." <laughs> Because she said, I refuse to use it. And it's so badly stained. And she's got boys as well. And she said, you know, they wee everywhere. And and I'm not a cleaning person. Everything here is not white and gleaming and gorgeous. But I don't like it dirty. Yeah. I'm not a a fanatic, not by any means. And as I say, bleach was the most difficult Mm. thing to do. And when I did stop using it, the toilet shows up lots of ugliness. Because the bleach actually is just bleaching a lot of the stains, isn't it? It's just whitening them so you can't see them, um, yeah. but they're still there underneath. Yeah, it kills germs, obviously. It whitens any ugly stains. And the fumes are not good for us. Obviously burns your skin if you get it on you. So it's, it's not that good a product. Although I had somebody message me and say, you know, you're saying that bleach is bad, but used, diluted to the correct quantities, it's absolutely fine. And I said, I don't dispute that, you know, your stuff, but how many people use it in the correct quantities? Yeah, I just, you know, we just used to squirt it around the loo and around the sink and yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I was heavy handed. In fact, I rotted the plumbing. <gasps> wow. Worth it in and leave it all night. Lovely. Um, until I rotted the work, plumbing work. But when I stopped bleaching the toilet, what I uncovered were yellow stains, like yellow crusty stains around it. You know where the, the top of the bowl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's that sort of two-inch rim around the top. That had like a crusty yellow stain on it. There were greeny-yellow watermarks where the water comes in at the back going down. And then on the water level at the bottom where the water sits in the pot, that was a gr- there was a grey watermark. Mm. So I thought, this isn't, this isn't brilliant. Um, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I thought, I'm not letting him indoors see this toilet because he'll say, I'm sorry, but we're not having the toilet looking like this. So it took an awful lot of trial and error. 
And one time I really thought I'd made a mess of the toilet because I knew citric acid would clean up the lime scale. I knew citric acid would kill germs. It was getting it to work in a way that either didn't go into a huge clump in the bottom mm, of the toilet. Yeah. That's like cement and you can't budget. And I really thought I'd messed up our toilet because I had this huge chunk of citric acid in the bottom, just like a fatberg. <laughs> and um, and I panicked because I thought, oh, crikey, am I going to have to get the plumber in? Yeah. But a kettle of boiling water dissolved it and it was fine. Uh, okay. So I knew I had to come up with something liquid. It had to spray and get onto these awkward areas. Mm. I had to also smell fresh because we liked, the toilet yeah smell nice and I wanted it to stick so whatever I was spraying it on I wanted it to stick there and do its work right yeah so I um took me lots and lots of trial and error but in the end we got there with citric acid a little bit of eco-friendly washing up liquid and organic tea tree oil Mm. it smells like toilet cleaner yeah yeah Amazing. And it'll clear all of your stains, all of your lime scale, kill your germs, smells fresh. And because it's got the tiniest, weeniest bit of eco-friendly washing, you get a few bubbles. So the first flush, you think, oh, yes, and it's nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... I'm always, like I said, I'm, I'm a really rubbish cleaner and I, you know, we've probably all had a go at bicarbon and, you know, lemon juice and vinegar and things. And it just didn't feel like it was cutting it for me, probably because, you know, my very intermittent and sporadic cleaning. But I've always sort of, because I talk about sustainable-ish and, you know, sort of trying to make it easy and all that sort of thing. I've always sort of shied away a little bit from going, and now you've got to make your own cleaning products because, you know, there are people going to go, what the hell? Like, I haven't got time to do that. Like, is there anything wrong with using the supermarket eco-friendly labeled brand or do you know there are so many different eco-friendly cleaners around now can we can we just do that um if i if somebody to ask me i mean my own family say i I think what you're doing is great but i haven't got the time Mm. i really haven't got the time to make my own products for me, it's about, do you want to make the time? Because mm. even if you do, I'm not suggesting you make a hundred, you'd make a hundred and one change. <laughs> but even if you thought, right, I'm just going to do toilet magic. Mm. That's all I'm going to make for now. Because then it's like any easy recipe. There's just three ingredients. Well, four, if you include the water. But once you've made it a few times and a bottle lasts me a month. Oh, wow. So... You know, you can make up as much or as little as you want. I would say do that because, and I can't comment about eco-friendly products because I've never, ever bought any. Yeah. Many, many people that say, we want to send you this, will you try it? Yeah. I don't do it because I think my market, I think, are the people that can't afford to pay four times the price. Right. For their product. Yeah. And my stuff is cheaper than supermarket-owned brand. Right. So if you've got the money, if you can afford it, and all the gum says that, yeah, there is no sort of greenwashing associated with this product because there, there, there is so much now about eco-friendly products that say they're eco-friendly. Mm. I don't know whether I told you the story about me nearly losing it in um, a garden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
because a well-known brand had put 100% natural on the front of a washing up liquid. Probably the best known brand. Mm. And, and I thought, this is fantastic because I knew that the traditional stuff had the harmful to aquatic. Mm, mm. And so I picked up a bottle and on the back it said, harmful to aquatic life with long-lasting effects. Mm. And on the front label it said, 100% natural. And it looks amazing. Mm. In a, a clear bottle, it's got green leaves on the front, 100% natural <laughs> And then in tiny, tiny writing, says perfume. Mm. So the, what they've probably used to perfume is it is um, essential oil, but the basic stuff is still harmful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They buy everywhere, really, when it comes to um, eco-friendly products. I mean, there are some great ones on the market, yeah. I'm sure. But I, I, I don't know because I've never tried them. Yeah. Right, so you've got a massive list at the beginning of like ingredients. And I guess it's a bit like, because I think, yeah, 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 no, I'm going to make toilet magic. And then I'm like, I look in the cupboards, I'm like, oh, crap. It's a bit like, I guess, if you haven't baked before, and you're like, I'm going to make a cake. And then you're like, I haven't got flour and I haven't got this. So if we just had to go out, if we were just going to have a go at a couple of things, what's the, what are the key ingredients that we need to go and get? Right. Citric acid. Okay. Citric acid and the shops, I, there is one little shop near me that sells it in 250 gram boxes. Okay. But, and for a one-off, yeah, do that. It's only about a pound. Because you can, you can get it from, because um, people will use it this time of year for elderflower cordial and things, won't they? Yeah. I think you can get it from the chemists, but isn't it um, something about drug, drug dealers use it to cut their drugs or something so that's not widely widely available but I've also seen it in like we've got a little hardware store in town and um they do it in the cardboard boxes don't they those green cardboard boxes and yeah yeah so and some supermarkets will have you know in places like B&M and things I think might have boxes of them so our, our mainstream supermarkets don't don't stock it okay I have a little shop around here that stocks it but again in small mm. about a pound a box Whereas if you really get and think, yeah, you, this is the way for me. Mm. For me, toilet magic, because it's, I use it to whiten clothes. I use it to clean the sink. <laughs> I use, um, I use rub my garden furniture because it kills algae. Oh, um, wow. Or it clears rust. So it's just magic. It's not toilet magic. It's just magic. I may, I might have to rebrand. <laughs> but... Now make some in a bottle as well as in a squeezy thing and, yeah, pop it in for a pre-soak um, for whites. Oh, wow. You know, I'm finding new uses for it all the time. So if you really fall in love with toilet magic, then I buy a two-kilogram bag online and that does me, well, probably a year. And obviously, like anything, it's going to work out cheaper, but... In the first instance, just buy a little box mm. and a little bottle of tea tree oil or lemon or anything just to give it a little bit of perfume. Mm -hmm. Eco liquid you might be buying anyway. I don't bother even trying to make it. I tried yeah. to make it a complete disaster. And I thought, there's who really is going to make eco-friendly washing liquid? <laughs> the price is nearly the same as standard. Mm. So... Um, and you've got there your ingredients for a fantastic toilet cleaner and cleaner 
when I say cleaner all around the house, you can't use it. You can use it in your bathroom, on the bath and the sink and other things. But the only thing is, it dries sticky. If you imagine, you know, oh uh, right, yeah, 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 it dries sticky. So you have to make sure you rinse it off. But it's great for clearing shower screens, Ooh. watermarks. It's it's brilliant. It, oh. It'll do a sterling job on your shower screen. I was going to say because we've really struggled with that. You know the the lime scale and stuff on there we've got very hard water um so that sounds like a one that is that like your top one for people to try first yeah because it's it's a sort of multi-use yeah um, uh, and also the floor my floor cleaner right what do we need for that just vinegar vinegar i'd have to look it up a minute <laughs> i love that and what sort of floors is that for is that for um stone floors yeah, it's for everything. Um, I've called it an all-purpose floor cleaner. I haven't got wooden floors in my right. house. Um, I've only got tiled floors, and I knew it was doing a great job on that. So I, I asked followers, anybody with a, a wooden floor, will mm. you try and tell me what you think? And one particular lady said, because you only need, like, two tablespoons in a bucket full of hot water. Right. But what she said she did, she made some up in a spray right and sprayed it onto the floor and then used a just a damp mop yeah over wet a wooden floor yes it does a sterling job so i call it an all-purpose floor cleaner and a lot of people will then go but i don't want my house to smell of vinegar it doesn't okay it doesn't all-purpose floor cleaner yeah here we are and especially if you use in the floor cleaner what smells gorgeous believe it or not is orange essential oil Ah. And especially on wooden floors, it's it's really lovely. So all you need is vinegar, eco-friendly washing up liquid, and 30 drops of essential oil. Oh. And do you have a favourite brand of eco-friendly washing up liquid, or does it not really matter? I buy the e-cover. Yeah. And lots of places will do a refill of, of that, won't they, as well? So that's really good. When it comes to essential oils, um, I didn't really use them at all until I started on natural cleaning. And the first box I bought was a sort of variety pack from oh, okay. China. They were the least expensive, but everyone smelled the same. <laughs> everyone smelled the same. So I, I now have a few favourites and I tend to use, um, is it Nycura? Oh, I, I think, don't know. Yeah, it's a sort of mid price range organic essential oil and I go for tea tree lemon and ylang 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 is a nice perfumey one if you want it for room freshener yeah. or something like that and do you buy your white vinegar in because it's it's the white vinegar isn't it it's not the brown vinegar we put on does it like if somebody was like oh I just want to try this does it matter if you use the brown vinegar or will it leave a brown coloring I think it could leave a brown colour mm. and every supermarket has got white vinegar. They're just, yeah, they'll do like a 500ml bottle, won't they? Or I think Tesco's is about 40p, Lidl's is 29 Wow. And do you do you buy that in bulk when you're doing a lot? I've stopped now, Jen, because they're getting on the bandwagon. Ah. I was looking at five litre tubs mm. of white vinegar and it's now working out more expensive oh wow than buying the 500 mil bottles yeah from the supermarket which is a shame because you know there's a the single plastic isn't it 
But those little spray bottles are quite good, you know, for mixing your products in, mm. squirting. If you want to use that then as oh, a okay. as a cleaning, especially for the all-purpose cleaner, because you can just sort of squirt it around. Yeah, well, that's a good idea. And your essential oils, do you, again, do you buy them online? Yeah, I buy them online. And have you found a website where you can get all this stuff that isn't Amazon? Yes. There are two nice, nice sites, and one of them um, has opened up a little shop not far from me. Oh, look. A little refillable. They're called Peace with the Wild. Oh, yes, I've heard of them, yep. And they're doing it in a serious way. They're doing their refills, and they're responsibly sourcing Mm. their products, getting them all within the UK. Oh, brilliant. Whereas a lot of the sodium percarbonate, which is the green bleach, is imported. Right. But they've found a UK source. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's, that's great. And there's another one called Big Green Smile. Oh, yeah. And they too um, are a great website. They'll, they'll have all the products. But again, there are some things that I still would go down to the supermarket yeah. for. And that's the vinegar, washing soda. I even saw a pack of washing soda on Amazon for £4.99 a kilogram. Right. The self and same is 6.72p in Tesco. Oh, wow. For a kilogram. So there it, it really is buyer beware. So when you say soda crystals, is that washing soda? Is that the same thing? And that that comes, we've probably all seen it in the supermarket in, in the the green, it's in a green packet, isn't it? That always comes in, seems to come in a plastic packet is that because it's it needs to be kept dry yeah it does need to be kept dry and once opened I tend to curl it up and put a clothes peg over it just clump up but if you've got anything that clumps up you know those little silica oh yes and everyone's probably got loads of them because they come in the lateral flow tests if people are yeah oh do they Mm. well you can pop one of those in with your cleaning products if you've made something yourself oh and you've also, um, uh, we were laughing at um, when we did the chat at Glasgow, because you talk about like cleaning your washing machine and you were saying about um, you had a friend who, you know, you, you take your sheets out and they come out with these marks on them. And I've had exactly the same. And I was like, what is causing this? And you said it's all this, <laughs> the scum <laughs> accumulated on my, um, on the seal on my washing machine, which is lovely. But you've got a great bit in the book about how to give your washing machine a deep clean, haven't you? And then also you, and this again, I'm like, oh, this is a step too far. But you make your own washing detergent. Is it a liquid, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I don't make it, Jen. What I tend to do, I buy a plant-based soap and dry pack do one. Um, Castile soap. So is that a liquid? It's a liquid. Castile. doesn't smell of anything. It's yeah. clean, but it is expensive. Right. Whereas um, a plant-based liquid soap, you can get for a quarter of the price. Oh, okay. By dry pack. So I tend, for the most part, to use that. And you said to put it in the drum. And I'm like, but if I put it in the drum, it's just going to drain out of the holes before before it does anything. Are you talking about cleaning or laundry? Laundry. Laundry. No, no. I, I put it in a little plastic cap. Right. The fabric conditioner goes in the fabric conditioner bit and my washing goes in the detergent bit. And so what happens is the washing machine fills. It takes, it's the water is softened by the washing soda as it takes mm. it. 
And then it's not running out the holes. It all then gets, it doesn't empty until the machine tells it. So it's still sitting in there. So you put it and the cap, so you put a little bit in a, in a plastic cap and put that with the cap in the, ah, yeah. See, I'd have just chucked it in and it would all have disappeared. And, and, and fabric conditioner, because we don't tend to use fabric conditioner, but what do you use for that? Again, I use vinegar and pe- people have said, oh, I, c- I couldn't stand the smell of vinegar on my clothes. Yeah. And I say, I promise mm. not going to get the smell of vinegar in the, on your clothes. And I add to it vegetarian because oh. that's a great softener. And I also um, a few drops of essential oil, so ylang ylang, something like that, something flowery and sort of laundry smelling. Because that's what we associate clean with, don't we? We associate, if our clothes come out and they don't smell of anything, we just think, we're just trained to think that that's not clean now. Well, we've been brainwashed into believing that if it smells good it's clean yeah and me included I had every single colored bottle you could imagine on my shelf Mm. but what I did was completely muck up my washing oh and the the detergent drawer particularly where the fabric softener was was black mold yeah it was a disgrace it's not an exaggeration I did a thorough washing machine clean at the start of my journey which is probably maybe three four years ago now and I've never cleaned it since because vinegar as well as softening the water it prevents any lime scale buildup dissolves soap scum oh okay yeah and um detergents obviously kills any germs and it's a natural water softener so it's it's an all-round good guy Mm. When it comes to your washing machine. Yeah. So there's no residual mold. It kills mold spores anyway. Yeah. And I've, I've got into the habit of when I'm not using the washing machine is to just leave the detergent drawer open. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Half an inch just to keep some air flowing through it. Yeah. Now, this is possibly a really niche question, and I'm basically just asking it for me. Cricket whites. Now, I've got two boys who play cricket. Even if they have kept their whites pristine during the match, they will walk to the car and do a knee skid. Like, what's all that about? So what what can I do for that? Because they're just constantly, you know, I mean, I remember my mum, because my brother and dad played a lot of cricket. The bath would just be constantly full of these cricket whites soaking in biotex, which I don't even know if you can get anymore. But is there a, a natural way I can get cricket whites clean? Yeah. Two ways. Vegetation stains of any sort will dissolve with vinegar oh okay so one part vinegar to two parts water will that not dissolve my clothes no okay and then just an overnight soak and then wash them oh wow or if you don't want to use as much vinegar and you have a bottle of toilet magic (laughs) yeah um cold water soak two to three tablespoons because obviously this is a much more concentrated Mm. Citric acid is, is slightly stronger than acetic acid, I think. And, um, and, and it's more syrupy, so you just know it's stronger. Um, two to three tablespoons in your bowl of cold water, soak overnight. I mean, my husband, why he chooses to wear a white shirt, a white polo tight yeah. T-shirt for gardening. Yeah. And the front is always grass stains, muck. Yeah. And I just save them up until there's four or five and then do an overnight soak 
and uh, and then wash them. So does the same work for um, food stains? You know, I'm thinking, you know, blackberries, pasta sauce, all that kind of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, right. I'm going to really throw out all my stain issues at you now. Sun cream on school uniform. <laughs> on school uniform. Somebody actually messaged me this week about sun cream um, saying they'd got it round the neck. Yes, it goes yellow, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The sun cream, there's um, what's the other thing? The fake tan stuff that oh, they right. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody asked me about hair dye. Oh, on clothes. Well, the hair dye, she said, came out brilliantly because I said, go heavier on the vinegar. So she went half vinegar, half water, soak, and it came out. Oh, brilliant. So I've not tried it myself because yeah. I've not had but But so I was reliably informed that worked. When it comes to sun creams, they're greasy. Yeah. So what you need is something that's going to dissolve a grease stain. Right. And what you need is a paste um, made up using bicarbonate of soda mixed with eco-friendly washing up liquid. Ooh. Runny sort of paste. And apply that. I got oil down um, a bright yellow shirt. Yeah. I should have had my glasses on because I reached for this hair shine. You know these Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Water and you spray it on. It's supposed to make your hair look gorgeous. And instead, I reached for hair oil. Oh, no. Huge squirt, and it went straight down this bright yellow shirt. And it was a mess. I mean, it was a big, long... Mm. And so I mixed a paste of bicarbonate of soda mixed with eco-friendly washing-up liquid and rubbed it into this um, stain down this on, the, on this shirt and just left it then for about 20 minutes. Oh, okay. And then put it in the washing machine, and it was absolutely fine. So you didn't do like a cold soak first, you just put that stuff on and then? It on and then left it and then washed it, yeah. Right, the ultimate test. And if you've got a, an effective solution for this, you will be knighted, I think. You will get a knighthood. Dry wipe markers, you know, marker pens. Kids, I don't know why they have them at school, but they do. And they draw on each other and on their own, you know, white polo shirts, school jumpers. They are just plastered in them. Yeah. Well, I've, I've found that can work. It depends, obviously, how bad the stain is. Yeah, some... hedging your bets here, aren't you? Yeah. And so what I've done is, because my granddaughter came with black on her school collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, great, I'm going to have a girl back. <laughs> and so what I did, I, I got an old towel and had it underneath. <laughs> yeah. And then I had the stained part of the shirt and then a, a cotton pad. Right. Absolutely drenched in surgical spirit. Right. And dabbed at this stain. And what happened is the stain transferred from the white shirt onto the towel underneath. Ah. So I had the stain touching the towel, if that yeah. makes sense. And I'm coming at it from the underneath. Yeah. So that the more I dabbed it, rubbing never works with any stain. Oh, okay. I found that carpet stains and the like dabbing it is Dab. much um, and I was dab, dab, dab at this stain. And eventually I transferred the marker pen onto the old towel and off the shirt. Ah. And then, so when I've tried things, I don't know why I've been splashing surgical spirit around on clothes. I can't remember, but it like the, I can't get the smell out. Oh, I know. I think it must have been, we must have used a cloth 
to to maybe use some surgical spirit to get a, a sticky label residue off a jar um, and then chucked it in the wash. It's made everything stink of surgical spirit and like it needs like three washes to get rid of it. How do you then get rid of the smell of it? Yeah, what um, a follower messaged me about this um, a couple of years ago and said they'd spilt, which is very similar, they'd spilt petrol. Oh, God. All down um, a set of overalls. And she said, you know, I've put them in the washing machine and now everything stinks. Yes, yeah. But what you should do with it, with a spill of any spirit like that, methylated spirit, surgical spirit, petrol, you know, white spirit, all mm. of the um, things. That was it. It must have been white spirit we were using. Yeah. yeah. It's put the thing outside on the line. Right. And leave the spirit to evaporate first before you even think about putting it in the washing machine. Oh, uh, okay. Because outside for a day or two and the smell will evaporate and die. Oh, uh, okay. Safely wash it. But, it, but yeah, if you try it, and I've done it in the past. I've done it with paint rags and things yeah, like yeah 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 that's right yeah thing just stinks yeah. where if you let mother nature get rid of the most of it first and then wash it because it, it you know it evaporates away mm. and talking of mother nature doing her thing tell us about I, I still I will not believe it until I see it your oven tray trick yeah and this time of the year is perfect mm. works throughout the year um, but this time of the year is perfect because you, you're likely to have a few grass clippings or at least long grass. And whether it's barbecue racks or oven shelves, I did mine only last week. You know, they're splashed and they're burnt and they're brown. Mm. And try to clean those by hand. It's enough to spoil your happiness. <laughs> if you buy caustic cleaners, obviously... They're a no-no if yeah. you're trying to live a green life. But you can just lay them out on the grass. So you lay them out on the grass. 24 hours is the best. Yeah. Sprinkle over um, some loose grass clippings, if I've got them. Right. Or lay them on the grass. Only so that then you're getting both sides of the shelf yeah. done at the same time. In the winter time, when I haven't got maybe the grass isn't quite as long, I'll lay over a piece of sacking. Or oh, Okay or a piece of plastic, something to just, I think, sort of generate some humidity. Right, I'm sure yeah, yeah, yeah. Water that does it. But then the next day, you just go with an old cloth and just wipe wipe them clean. So the question that springs to mind, how the hell did you discover that? I had put up a post um, about soaking shelves in a deep sink, just in washing soda and hot right. water. That does a sterling job. Oh, okay. If, if you haven't got a garden... Mm deep sink or a plastic box, in with your oven shelves, a sprinkle of washing soda, about a cup full, boiling water, leave them overnight and oh, okay. wipe them clean. And then a follower from South Africa said, my mother always used to lay them on the grass. Yeah. And it actually, it sort of rang a bell because I can remember um, as a child, badly stained cutlery was always stuck into the ground. And I could, and it just triggered something off. It used to be my job as a small child to go and stick forks in the ground. You know when the if if the prongs used to get discoloured, right? Yeah, it used to be my job to go and stick them in the soil. And and I'd forgotten that. You're like there, and you're five, going, "What the hell am I doing? Well, do you know this could work? I think this could work." And um, and so I did it, and yes, it does. It works perfect. Wow. 
That is amazing. Covering the shelf up, you get better results. Okay. And very quickly, because I'm really aware of time, the, the rest of the oven, once we've sort of done that, we've got nice sparkly shelves. I mean, my oven gets, oh, I don't even want to say how infrequently my oven gets cleaned. What's, what's, uh, is it just elbow grease or is, have you got a nice easy? Well, the, my method um, in the book is, is not hard. It's not hard. You've, you've got to have the music on full blast and you've be in that sort of a mood. Right. Um, but I found that the best thing and what cuts down the cleaning loads is turn on the oven to about 100 degrees for about half an hour, turn it off and then put in there a roasting tin and empty a kettle of boiling water. Close the door and leave it. Whilst that 15 minutes is going on, then you make your bicarbonate paste. And it literally is bicarbonate of soda and water. Okay. To a thick paste. I add a little bit of xanthan gum. Oh, that I haven't got that. It, it really doesn't matter. It just makes it more gloopy. Oh, okay. Paste than a, than a dry paste. Mm. Um, it makes it easier to brush on. And then I take the tray out of hot water, tip that away. And then go around painting this paste all around the oven and leave that about 20 minutes and then go in with a bench scraper. Oh, yeah. And and a bench scraper will take an awful lot of that burnt Mm. And um, And then the really tough bits, I use wire wool. Okay, yeah, yeah. But it is labour-intensive, but you're not breathing in bad fumes. It's as cheap as chips. yeah. It works, and um, and it's not that hard. It's not as onerous as you think it's going to be. And there's something really satisfying about it that you haven't needed to resort to caustic soda and the like. I mean, we had ours done. I say we had. I'd love to say I did ours recently. We had ours done recently, and I can see through the glass to see how. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Um, right, so the book is clean and green, and even for a non-cleaner like me, it is absolutely brilliant. And it's not just—I mean, I—I I was looking through. Um, you've got recipes for like lip balm, shower gel, stuff for um, like pesticides for the garden as well. I was like, this is amazing. Um, slugs and snails, and then the thing that is, I think, is my favourite thing at the back. You've got a bit that's called how to clean, and I'm like, oh, that's what I need. And you've got a little thing for how often I ought to be doing things, and um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, it is brilliant. I think you know, even if you don't think you're a cleaner, even if you don't think you've got time to be like, oh god, who's got time to make their own things? But um, like, I love that you know, you said just just try this one thing and see how you get on with that. Uh, in fact, we had some friends over for a meal at the weekend, not seen them since before lockdown. And so they obviously wanted to chat about the book and what have you. And one of them, she's so funny, and she just said, Nancy, there is no way on this earth I am going to start making my own cleaning products. I said, please, please just make toilet magic. Yeah. If you make nothing else, just make a bottle of toilet magic because it will change your life. <laughs> so she said, well, I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't ask anybody to beat themselves up trying to be some sort of eco-friendly green goddess because you, you're going to probably fail. Mm. 
and what's you know life is for living it's about yes. doing it but it's also about being realistic about what you're trying to achieve I mean I'm a bit of an addict and I just love doing it mm. but that's probably all I do you know if if somebody said to me would you like to go to, for a trip to the coast and walk along the or go walk along the pier or go I don't want to I don't want to do it whereas some people just want to be out and about Mm, yeah 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 but I think you know I talk about this all the time you know it's it's one step at a time it's changed one thing and and it's that you know this is exactly the same isn't it and I also I kind of feel like the hardest thing is maybe like getting the ingredients because I'm I mean last time we spoke I was like yeah I'm gonna make toilet magic and then you know didn't have the stuff or whatever and 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 so like I just actually need to go right I'm just gonna order this stuff or go into town and find this stuff and once I've got it then it literally takes five minutes to make it doesn't it yeah. So that's maybe the hardest thing and the thing we need to um, just make sure that, and, and again, that can just be done online. So it's, that's not overly difficult, is it? Because obviously when I was experimenting and writing recipes, I made small amounts. Mm, yes. Because I there was so so much stuff that was crap, mm. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, now with the things that work really, really well, you know, you because they're now in the book, mm. Even though it might say make up 300 mil, once it's something that's part of your cleaning staple, yes. you can make more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't have to keep making piddling little mounts. Yeah. Because you, know, you might think, well, actually, that's not for me, that one. But toilet magic is, or air freshener is, or, yeah. Or, you know, you people may get their own, like the floor cleaner. You know, you could make a huge one. Mm. Later last year for ages because you want to use 30 mil at a time yeah and actually when we were talking about where to get things from I was just thinking lots of the zero waste shops and refill shops now have bicarb citric acid um yeah. you know those kinds of things so do you know if you've got a local zero waste shop do pop in and and ask them and and if they haven't they'll often you know if they get enough people asking them they'll often order it in for you I could honestly talk to you all day Nancy thank you so much you've been absolutely brilliant um the book, I was going to say, you know, it's every time I look on Amazon to, to see how well my book's doing, yours is always like well up there. Um, so it seems to be doing really well. It's had a really good reaction, hasn't it? Well, I mean, what what surprised me is because is 70% of my followers on social media are American. Oh, wow. And I don't know. They're just massive Bake Off fans. Yeah. And so obviously when, when this book came out, it wasn't available in the US. Yeah. And and I said I said to the publisher, you know, I have sent four thousand of the book that I published myself, my baking book. I sent four thousand over the Atlantic. Mm. So it's definitely a market for over there. And they said, well, we can't really publish over there. We, oh, okay. Send them over there, and so consequently, they got a delayed publication date to April, and then it came out on the twenty first of April and sold out on the first day. Wow. And so they, they, I think, over in the US and Canada, I don't think they have the zero-waste shops like we do. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to go green in an affordable way. They're going to have to make them themselves. Yeah. Products themselves. And so, um, so yeah, it's I'm absolutely amazed. It's gorgeous, yeah. Oh, um, so this is the question that I always hate everyone asking me, what's next? What's next? Well, um, I'm writing again. I've got I've got to 
get my manuscript in by August. Oh, wow. Widening out things to it, it's about waste, it's about living sustainably, it's about recipes, it's about saving, it's about gardening. It's it's a bit of a, it's really my social media content. Yeah. Imprint, really. Are you enjoying writing that then? I am, yes. It's um, the difficulty is there is I get dragged down the rabbit hole yes. on one particular subject and I think, hang on a minute, you know, yeah, I'm I'm getting too detailed about this. Yeah, I yeah, need yeah. To spread it out a bit. But yeah, oh no, I'm enjoying writing it. Oh, brilliant. Um, so yeah, you've been an absolute superstar. So it's clean and green, um, everywhere you can buy books, published by One Boat, are they? It's a branch yeah. of Pan Macmillan. Yes. I would absolutely recommend it. So thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you, Jen. It's been lovely to talk to you again. You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.